It's Thursday, March 16th. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott, and we're in Genesis chapter 15. So if you want to follow along with us as we read, Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Sometime later, of course, you know when you read sometime later, what's this talking about? This is after the whole defeat of all the kings, that war that we talked about yesterday. So once those 10 kings were defeated and Abram met with Melchizedek and gave the tithe of all that he had brought back but refused to keep any of it for himself, all that stuff that had happened yesterday. So sometime later after this, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. This is on the heels of that war Mm -hmm. where God gave him victory and he said, just remember, I am the one that's protecting you. I'm taking care of you. And that's the reason he didn't want to receive anything from the king of Sodom because he said, I don't want you to think you made me rich because it's God who takes care of me. Anyway, Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, I always say, boy, if, I, if God had not given me any children, I would be rich. <laughs> um, but he says, I, I don't want all this wealth. What good is any of this when I don't have children? That culture was so different than today. And I think, it, I think we've become such a selfish, a very selfish culture today. And I know people have all kinds of excuse, reasons. You know, people say they don't have children, but... I don't know, you're, you're not on the same page as Jesus, you're not on the same page as God when you make those kinds of statements. I get it when you're not able to be blessed with children, but to make a statement, I don't want children, when God has specifically told us to be fruitful and multiply, and when Jesus said that, I mean, we know that children are so near and dear to the heart of God, it, it, it really bothers me when I hear people say, well, I just don't like kids. Man, your bigger problem is with God. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Abraham just cried out. He wanted so badly. He wanted so badly to have a son. He said, since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my descendants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram, Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that, you will act, that I will actually possess it? And the Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He does, he does this kind of little acting out here to help Abram understand uh, what's happening. So verse 10, so Abram presented all these to him and killed them. And then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. And some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses. But Abram chased them away. You want to pick up in verse 12 and then yeah. explain the meaning of this, this whole thing? <laughs> it's, it's something <laughs> weird's going on here, right? As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Now, this is the time when the Israelites were in, in Egypt. Foretelling that, yep. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. 
After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and the darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Wow, you did a nice job with all those places. I just figured if I like said it really fast, it sounds like I'm confident <laughs> and know what I'm saying. There you go. You know, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to know how to pronounce. It. You just have to be confident in how you pronounce it. <laughs> so we'll get more to this meaning then. Yeah, but tomorrow. so much of this, I guess, really what it boils down to is God is just reiterating His promise to Abraham. And we can claim that same promise because he does. He gives us even greater promises in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But his promise to Abram is no matter what it looks like and no matter what it feels like, I am your God. I am going to care for you. I am going to fulfill the greatest heart's desire that you could imagine. I am going to be the one that's going to take care of this. Don't take matters into your own hands, which we'll see later on. Abraham does try to do that. Yeah. All right, well, let's get over to Proverbs then. And uh, yeah, so Proverbs 16 yeah, is the and... chapter 4 today, and it is verse 2 is the verse that we want to pick, mm-hmm. and that is people may be pure in their own eyes. You don't know anybody like that, do you? <laughs> they're just always right. They're always the innocent one, or they're always the victim when bad things happen. People might be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. And how often do we... And we're guilty of this too, Dad. But how often we, we meet with people and they share their side of the story and it's always like, well, my, you know, I was pure here. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I did, did things right here and it just kind of happened this way. And again, you and I can be guilty of the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's God who judges the motives because it all goes down to the intent. And the best thing that we can do, because we do know that God sees right through everything we're saying, that if we mm-hmm. look at whatever situation that we're talking about, if we take a look at that from God's perspective, and not just use God as a, you know, as a kind of a placeholder there. We say, well, God is my witness. But in reality, look at this from God's perspective. I think until we do that, we're not honest with what's really going on in our, our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that God judges those motives, let's back up a little bit and ask ourselves, okay, in this situation, even though someone may have wronged me or they may be 80% wrong, in this situation... Where is my heart really? And where was my heart really? Yeah. And let's, I like, like one person often says, you want to accept 100% of your 2%. So take full responsibility where even those motives may be incorrect and come to a confession with that. Yep. Good stuff. We'll make it a good day and we will see you tomorrow. 